0: This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Eddie Cat. Eric, didn't you tell everybody that was an original song, too? You guys know that? One of Eric's original <laughs> tunes? Kind of amazing, I must say. Um, Nate, you can go ahead and switch to the first... So I'm going to try some technology stuff that's a little different because I'm a visual guy so I want to have some visuals to share with you guys and some videos and that sort of stuff and and it's uh, funny because usually I'm back there and I'm producing and I'm directing the speakers and one thing I tell them is don't move around too much. And now I'm realizing I'm gonna break that rule completely because it's impossible to not stay still while you're talking, so sorry, Laurel. And thank you, people in the booth. I wanna thank Laurel and Nate and of course Nico and Nolan, who's not here right now, but they've been, oh, and Suzanne, Suzanne is here. Amazing, helping keeping everything running in the back there and I actually feel like I can go away and it's all gonna be smooth. So thank you to those guys for stepping in, stepping up. So, back in somewhere just before 1939, this uh, old retired Army colonel, his name is Colonel Bradford, stepped into a room and talked to one of his friends, and he told his friend, this adventure friend of his, they were sharing stories, and he said, I've been everywhere in my life, but there's this one thing I've been hearing about, it's the fountain of youth that these guys in Tibet have discovered, and I want to find it. I want to find the fountain of youth. Come with me. Let's go to Tibet. Let's search for this fountain of youth. Well, his buddy, you know, him hawed, him hawed, and thought about it, and finally decided, no, I'm not going to go with you. But, uh, you know, if anything happens, I'll write about it. And so he sent him off. He went off on his own, and he didn't hear from him for almost four years. And four years, and a few days later, he came back, and the guy, his friend, was at home, and he got a knock on the door, and he says, Colonel Bradford here to see you. And it didn't sound like Colonel Bradford, but he said, come on up. So he came up to his room, he opened the door, and the Colonel Bradford was this older guy, he was in his 60s, but he had been through a lot, and he was kind of hunched, and he walked with a cane, and little, you know, he was feeling the age. And this guy before him was youngish looking, he was no cane, he was standing up tall, he was vibrant, and he said, my friend, I'm here, I'm back. I said, you're not Colonel Bradford. And it was, it was Colonel Bradford, he had come back. And he said, I would found the fountain of youth. I went to Tibet, went to India, I went up into the mountains. I finally convinced these monks that there's been stories about them for ages, about their health and vitality. I convinced them to let me study with them. And I did for four years, and it's a miracle. And I want to share it, write down this story. And so he started to write a book about the story, and it's called The Five Tibetan Rites. Some of you might have heard of it. A few years ago, my prayer partner told me about this, and I thought, "Oh, she's like in her 70s and vibrant and healthy, and looks much younger than, than than she is." And so I said, "Oh, I'll check it out." And so I got this book, and I read the book, and I started doing them after reading this very short, simple book. And I've been doing these five Tibetan rites every day since then. It's been about four years or so, and I. I'm kind of amazed at how good I feel physically pretty much all the time. And, you know, when you get older, you measure your fitness level, um, not by the gym, but like how sore you get the next day after helping a friend move, right? Like that's your measure. If you're walking like this the next day, I move some boxes. Well, I don't get sore anymore. And, And Jim can attest, we've moved a lot of boxes in his truck for people. And I just don't get sore. And I'm healthy and I'm limber. And I I can do, I feel like I can do anything, although I probably shouldn't. But the point of that was, it was that story that I read and took to heart. And even though it sounded a little fantastical, the things he was saying about, you know, his hair growing back. And I'm going, shoot, that'd be great. I'm going to do it. (laughs) I was like the first thing. Okay, if my hair is going to grow back, I'm going to start doing these things. But he started talking about all these cool things, and it sounded a little fantastical. But the point was, the story got me. The story engaged me, and I started doing it, and I made changes in my life that changed my life, my health. So why are stories so important? Stories sell the message. Facts don't convince us. This is pretty obvious, right? Facts don't convince us. If you look at politics, you can look at studies that have tested, where they show people who have an opinion, they say, okay, here are the facts, now rate your opinion again, and they'll still, they'll rate themselves higher on the original opinion after being shown that they're wrong. Like, these studies are crazy, you can look them up, they're all over the place, and I did a lot of research. Facts don't convince people, stories convince people. Why are Bible stories so popular, so powerful? They're stories that move us emotionally, powerfully. They engage us. And what we're going to learn and see from Ted Lasso, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is they're relatable. And I think that's probably one of the flaws in some of the Bible stories is they're not relatable to us today as much as we can see the wisdom in them, right? The power of stories, too, is in that we Repeat them, right? You hear a good story, you tell it to somebody else, you, tell it, you play it back in your head. I know, I, I listen to episodes or shows or something that I've seen, and it's a great story, and I play it back in my head. Don't you do that, too? Like, you replay that. Oh, such a great story. You replay you listen to it again. That is a prayer, isn't it? Yes. Isn't that what prayer is? Repeat that thing in your head until you believe it, and you know it's true. The good stories can do the same for us. So, why are negative stories so popular. Anyone want to take a guess <laughs> why negative stories are so popular? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's built into us. It's part of our being to be scared when somebody tells us, watch out for that tiger down by the water. You want to pass it on to your tribe members so you don't get eaten by the saber tooth tiger. Like imagine, okay, so here's Croc. He's sitting there with his tribe and he's telling the kids, kids, when I was your age, I went down by the water and this giant saber-toothed tiger jumped out of the bushes and gnawed on my leg and took my leg off. That's why this leg is gone. Then he gnawed on this leg and tore that out and blood spurted everywhere and I almost died, but I'm here to tell you about it. Don't go by the river. Are those kids gonna go by the river? Touche, <laughs> touche, <touché>, yeah. <laughs> Much better, though, than if he and told the kids, kids, don't go by the river. There's a danger by the river. Are the kids going to go by the river? Yeah. Yes. There's a lot more yeses on that one, right? Okay. That's the, power of, that's the power of the bad story, but we have taken it to the extreme. We've played on the fact, the media has played on the fact that our minds... Are drawn to bad stories. There's a, there's another study I read that's a kind of amazing. Is that people who are negative are conceived or perceived as more intelligent than positive people. There's one study they did, I read. It's crazy. They they had a they did a review of a play, and this was part of the test. And they wrote the review out very very. Um, intellectually, but they changed the words. One review was very positive. Like they would say, this was a great thing, and the author was da-da-da-da-da, and they used positive words. The other one was negative words. Same basic information, and then they showed it to two different audiences and asked them, what do you think of the intelligence and the knowledge of the critic who wrote these reviews? And 16% higher, more people thought the negative one was more intelligent, and 18% more knowledgeable on the subject, simply because he was negative. That sucks, right? Now, do you see why negative postings and stuff on, on, online and in the news, people think, oh, that guy must be really smart. He's bashing something today. What a smarty pants. But it's not true. They're just playing on our innate desire to go towards negative news to save ourselves. Well, that's no good. Habits, things that we do over and over again, make us. There's a great book called Atomic Habits, if you guys haven't checked into it, that's a great one. But I started to think about the habits of these negative implants that we get, build up, build up, build up into our lives and become part of our being, and that's the the really scary thing. And speaking of scary things, um, speaking of scary things, Okay, I think we're back on track. So think about, I actually can pull stuff from the Bible too. I got really inspired by some of our speakers here pulling Bible things. I'm like, shoot, I gotta get a Bible quote up here. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And there's no hidden messages in there. What is it saying? Think about good stuff, all the time, every day. Think about good stuff. Fill your brain with good stuff, not negative stuff. It's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. <laughs> One of the things I, I, I hear in my own head, and I know that some of you are probably thinking too, is I've tried to think positive, and it, it's not that easy. I just can't say, think positive. Kevin, think positive. You know, Joanne, think positive, you're telling yourself. And it's not that easy, but the, the good news is, at least for this little chunk of nugget today, is that you don't have to really convince yourself. All you gotta do is two things. Get rid of the crap and fill it with good stuff. Simple. And then your thinking will start to change and become more positive without any effort on your part. It's easy. It's easy as watching a film. Let me tell you about a, a scary film, a scary situation. And uh, some of you have you've heard this story because this was transformative for me. And it was about five years ago. And I'm sitting watching. I am I used to be an action movie zombie lover. Anything with action, anything with shooting, killing, especially zombies, right up my alley. I know some of you are laughing. You're like, huh? This wussy guy up here, zombie killer. And I just watched The The Walking Dead. That was my favorite show. watched every episode, almost got Claire to watch it, but no, that didn't work. (laughs) And at the end of one of the seasons, the very last episode, I was sitting there watching it, and there was this particularly brutal scene of violence. And it wasn't violence towards zombies, it was just violence for the sake of violence. And I turned that show off when it was done, and I sat there on the couch, and I just cried. And I'm going to swear right now, and I said, what the fuck am I doing to myself? Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I feeding my brain this garbage? And from that day, I did not watch another action movie, another violent show, I did not watch any news, Nothing negative goes into my head if I can help it. And it's, it was hard, and I know a lot of you who are into action movies are going to say, yeah, but I can tune it out. I can put it in perspective. I don't think you can. I think it goes into your subconscious and messes with you. You can't stop it from messing with you. It was like... Um, I'm not an alcoholic, but I imagine those of you who are alcoholics and recovering might know. It's like you don't realize how bad it was until you stop. That's what I imagine being an alcoholic is like. It's like you, once you're clean, you're like, "Crap, that was, I was nasty," right? So now we have a chance to turn it around. I think you know. I think last week Sylvia said something really profound about um, uh, you don't have to have a tragedy in your life to be have an awakening or something like that, which I thought was really beautiful. But in my case, I really kind of did need a tra- something shocking like this this film to wake me up and, and make me make a change in my life that has transformed me. <laughs> so I'm scrolling through Facebook. I was <laughs> scrolling through Facebook a few weeks ago, a month ago, I don't know how long ago. and you know, skimming past the garbage post, the post pictures of people's bloody surgeries and, you know, whatever it is. And I see Joanne Pasmore made a post about Ted Lasso. And I had heard about Ted Lasso. I'm like, a story about a soccer coach? I hate sports. Like, I don't know a goal from a toilet bowl, really. And why would I want to watch this show? You know? But she said the same thing. She's like, I don't like soccer, but this is the best show ever. So I'm like, all right. I'm gonna watch it. I'll check it out, <laughs> and good thing I did because what is Ted Lasso? Is it, everybody here seen it, by the way. A lot haven't. Awesome. Woo! Fresh meat. Yes. <laughs> it is a show. It's on Apple TV. If you haven't, if you want to find it. It's a series. We just finished season two, and it is one of the most unique shows in that it is all about positivity, kindness forgiveness, vulnerability, apologies, and seeing the best in people, encouraging people. And it's freakishly funny, so funny. Like, I laugh and cry every episode. You know, I till, laugh till I cry or cry because I'm, I'm sad, whatever it is. But it's just amazing. It is something so different out there that it's, 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 it's a landmark type of thing. Um, Jason Sudeikis, who actually created, and he's a lead actor in it, um, and one of the co-writers of the show, he was on Saturday Night Live recently, and I loved his quote. He came out and he said, Oh, I'm so, you know, happy about the success of my show, and I'm really surprised that it's so popular in the United States, because it's about two things that Americans are not very excited about, which is soccer and kindness. <laughs> <laughs> which is true, you know? We're, people are eating it up, and it's amazing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some things with you, um, a few clips, but it's going to be a spoiler if you haven't seen it yet, but it's not. And I thought about this. <laughs> I thought about this very carefully, like where did they share some of these scenes, because some of these are my, the best scenes from the show, uh, is that I've watched it already two and a half times. I'm on my third time watching through, and it gets better each time. So I, I've watched these clips over and over, probably 10, 20 times. And each time, my heart goes out, and I think about it, I relive it. So I don't think it's going to be a complete spoiler for you, and I'm sorry, but if it is, if, you, if you're one of those that don't like spoilers, this is the time when you're going to want to cover your ears, close your eyes, pretend you're one of the monkeys, you know, monkey see, monkey no do, and just blah, blah, You can hum to yourself, but not too loud, so you don't disturb everybody. All right? So this, I'm going to preface this. This is just kind of give you a taste of what, what Ted is about, what he's like, and he has been hired, he's a a uh, U.S. football coach that's been hired to go to the U.K. and be a soccer coach. And the woman that hired him, his boss, who owns the team, um, she's a hard ass, you know, to say, to say it leastly. <laughs> but anyway, he's moved his whole life over to the U.K., and now he's had his first day um, coaching. So let's see what's going on here.
1: It's a long time to wait ted
2: well i respect you didn't hurry
1: so how was your first official day
2: i'm not entirely sure what y'all's smallest unit of measurement is over here but that's about how much headway i made
1: <laughs> and yet you seem undeterred mm.
2: ah! solid entrance
1: what would you rather be a lion or a panda i don't have time for this okay ted
2: gotta go
1: panda are you mad pandas are fat and lazy and have piss stained fur lions are powerful and majestic and rule the jungle
2: try telling that to an elephant Ooh, can i be an elephant
1: Mm-mm, lion or panda panda lion what's black and white and red all over i don't know what a panda that gets anywhere near a <laughs> lion the answer
2: is lion all right
1: that rebecca is an intimidating very tall woman i mean the minute she locked eyes for me, I like started sweating.
2: Oh no, you know, she got some pencil, all right? You just gotta hop over.
1: Hi, babe. Mm, Here,
2: keys. Hey, Jamie, what would you rather be? A lion or a panda? Coach, I'm me. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to be anything else? I'm not sure you realize how psychologically healthy that actually is. Hmm, cheers. Night quarter. Wow, he's a lion. Definitely a lion. Mm-hmm.
0: Scene, is, here he is, his first day, it's horrible. He's got this Horacious boss, and he's just pulling the best attitude ever. He's happy. He's delighted to make a new friend in Keeley. There's something to be happy about, right? No matter what's going on in the world. And then the little things like the last line about, "Coach, why would I want to be anything else? I'm me. Isn't that? That's like it, truth, so true. Why would you want to be anything else? And then for him just to recognize that, I don't think you realize how psychologically healthy that actually is. <laughs> that's, just, that's just brilliant. I love it. So he's, he's composed, he's, he's unshakable. In fact, he go, all around the town, people think they call him a wanker all over town, to his face because he's screwing up their football team, and he just smiles and says, "Good day. Hello." you know And a lot of us are going to watch it and go, "Yeah right I'd be. I'd be smacking him in the face. I'd be yelling back at him. But then that's the whole point of this, is that we can see ourselves in his shoes, emulating him, doing the things that he does, and becoming better people because of it. Right? All right. One of the things I think that makes Ted so relatable is he's fallible. He's human. He screws up. He makes mistakes. He's even a little depressed on the side. But he always owns up, he apologizes, he comes clean, he makes amends, and he moves forward. And I think that is such amazing, amazing quality for us to emulate and to also realize, and that's why I'm saying this here, heroes as mentors should not be perfect. That's one of the issues I have with Jesus. Sorry, God. (laughs) Jesus was too perfect. How are we supposed to emulate Jesus? I mean like, We can see ourselves walking in Ted Lasso's shoes, right? Except for the walking on water part. Because how can you see yourself walking on water? As much as you think, and we talk about, we can do anything that Jesus does. He told that in the Bible. What are these things I do? You can do. Great. But do we all really, really believe that we can walk on water? Not Not yet. Maybe. Yes. But in this life, right now, today, I have a hard time living up to Jesus. I don't have a hard time living up to Ted Lasso, right? So, if Jesus does it for you, awesome. But you may wanna find a hero, a mentor that is really more relatable, more like I can see myself in his or her shoes. And then, boom, you've got a magical story that's gonna change your life. All right, this next one here and again, I'm going to refer to my gospel according to Ted. This is uh, season one, episode eight, verses 1523. <laughs> this is my favorite scene in the entire show, my, probably one of my favorite scenes of the entire history of television for me. And again, this is a spoiler. But it's, it's phenomenal, and, and it's even more phenomenal when you see the story behind it, if you've, you've, you've lived up into this point with the story here. So let me share this with you, and then we'll talk about it. Wait. I'm going to tell you what, preface it. Ted's having lunch with his boss, and his, his boss, Rebecca, has this uh, philandering ex-husband, and his name is Rupert, and he shows up in the bar, and uh, he's... Quite an expert at darts and challenges Ted to a a little game with some pretty high stakes.
2: Hmm. Mate, what do I need to win?
1: Two triple 20s and a bullseye. (laughs) eye.
2: Good luck. Hmm. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car. and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Cause if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted?
1: <laughs>
2: Which I would have answered yes sir every sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to i was 16 when he passed away barbecue sauce <laughs> good game Ruben.
0: come on let
2: you are a very lovely
1: consolation prize Rebecca, Ted, enjoy your evening.
2: Mate, as always.
1: Oh, shit, that felt good. That was
2: fun. <laughs> yeah. Only one thing left to do now.
1: What's that? Do I have to? Drinks are on me!
0: <laughs> and I think that, um, That resonates with a lot of people, because I've heard people repeating this um, in everyday conversations and things. Be curious, not judgmental. Isn't that such a foundational piece of what we believe in or should believe in? Be curious, not judgmental. And what's kind of cool is that, you know, no matter what happens, Ted remains calm and kind. No matter what people are doing to him, around him, insulting him, he always finds a way to remain kind. He may not be happy about it, but he's kind. And there are times when he gets a little mean. I think there were a couple episodes of that. But he comes clean, and there's a good reason for it. And then he apologizes, he makes it right. And I think that's such an amazing, amazing quality. And most characters in the the show, what I also love is that Every character, even the ones that are villains, have an opportunity to improve themselves, to better, to turn it around, and most of them eventually do. I don't know, I'm still wondering about Rupert, though. I don't know, I sort of think he's lost cause, but (laughs) maybe season three, I don't know. We'll see. So, boys and girls, what we have now are the eight principles of Ted Lasso. (laughs) Kindness, of course. Gratitude, forgiveness, vulnerability, curiosity, accountability, I think is really, really important. Of course, optimism, faith, or what Ted says, believe, is a sign posted over his office, which is what Claire's little joke was about this morning. Um, And playfulness. And I think, all except for playfulness, most of these things are in every major religion or faith, aren't they? In some form or shape, right? I think playfulness should be in everything, but that's TED, and TED's my new gospel now. So I don't really care what the other religions say. I'm including playfulness as part of our religion to follow. And what I again, one thing I think is really, really important here is that TED, as our exemplar, is believable. He's real. We can relate. And that's sort of the importance of the story factor here, is if you're, if you're letting stories guide your life with heroes and exemplars that are not believable to you, really believable to you, you're going to have a hard time emulating them. You're going to feel let down when you can't live up to them. Ted Lasso is somebody we can all live up to. The theory of Ted Lasso. We all know he's fake. We all know, we, most of us know, <laughs> A lot of the Bible stories were made up. They're just purely stories. But there are truths in those non-facts. There are truths in this completely non-factual story. And that's the most important thing. All right. I've got some homework to throw out to you guys. I'm going to show you another clip here in a a minute here to wrap it up. But I I want to encourage us all to do something. So I got homework. And if you do the homework, I'm going to give you a gift. Ta-da! And here's the rub. If you do your homework, it will change your life. And a lot of you are going to find it really hard to do. Not hard physically, like it's a lot of work, but just mentally. Hard to do. Okay? So here it is. The 30-day challenge. The next 30 days, eliminate all news, negative TV, media, movies, no gratuitous violence scan very quickly past anything on your social media that that is in any way negative, and then you're going to fill that void of garbage that you just dumped with good stuff. One good, inspiring movie a week. I highly recommend Ted Lasso, watching it and breaking it up. It's very tempting to just binge watch the whole thing once you get on it, but Break it up. Maybe I find that two episodes at a time is really nice, because then I, I want more than one, but two, I feel good, I feel like I got my dose. So fill it, and then create. What are your personal stories that you remember, the good stories in your life that inspire you, that you can rewrite as more of a dramatic story, something that will inspire you because of the drama make you remember it, make you excited about it. So rewrite, think about some of your own personal stories, journal them, write them down. You're going to be positive, -positive. post-positive. Post-positive means anything you put online is good, it's inspiring, it's nice. Say something nice about somebody, just whining about anything, just stop. I know it's hard. Don't whine about stuff. Don't show pictures of your bloody stump toe. I, don't, I still don't get that. Why do people post that? Nobody wants to see that. Honestly, nobody... I mean, we just say, hey, I need some prayers for my healing. Woo-hoo. All right. Don't show me a picture of your bloody toe. Ew. Yuck. I'm not into zombies anymore. I don't need it. All right? Then, be curious. And this is one thing I... I, I my mentor, I call her my, my mentor of meeting, Mom, which is not only my mom, but my wife, Claire, the mentor of meeting, the master of meeting, because she'll ask people questions, so be curious. So one of the things that Ted Lasso does so beautifully, and I love, is you don't go into a little coffee shop, and he's nice to the barista, and he asks them a question. How are you doing today? What's going on with you today? Everybody is open book. Everybody is worthy of finding out something about, from the littlest person to the most important, from his boss, and he won't show preference to anybody, whether it's a little person or the boss. So, how are we doing that every day? Your challenge is, wherever you're going, where it's the coffee shop, the grocery store, whatever, ask a question, but don't make it the typical, how are you, fine. Ask a question that requires you to engage. How did you get to work today? It's raining. Did you bicycle today? Or tell me something about what you're you're learning to be in this job, or whatever it is. You can come up with something, Okay. So be curious and then you're gonna journal about your experiences through the month, and if you share some of that with me at the end of the month, send it to me in an email. I'm gonna donate to you one of my images. I'm a professional photographer, I have images from all over the world, travel pictures, I have some beautiful ones, and I will print up a big print for you for free and let you pick whichever one you want. So I'll show you a gallery of hundreds of images you can pick from. So that's my gift to you. If you, thank you. I don't have a lot of money to give, but I do have the gift of beautiful images that I would love to share, and hopefully you will love them, too. Um, and all you gotta do is just email me your experience after a month. And maybe, if you're okay, you can let me know what I can share, what I can't. I might share it with other people, too. And I wanna, I wanna start a revolution of kindness. I wanna, I wanna live, Ted. You know, I don't wanna just watch the show. I wanna live it. All right. And here's... Uh, <laughs> If you guys want, you can point your camera up there and just scan that. This is a list of good, happy movies and inspirational movies that it was such a great thing. Earlier this week, my prayer partner, who is Laurel behind the camera back here, she just out of the blue sends me a message. Here, I started a list of all these great inspirational movies that I got off of a out of the window of a movie store in Portland. Like she <laughs> downloaded pictures and then pulled and made a whole list. It was amazing. And I was like, whoa, that's perfect. So we started this online spreadsheet, and you can go there, you can check it out, you can find movies, you can add your own. I would really love for you guys to add your own if you have a movie that you love, that inspired you. Um, Go on there and add your own to it, and let's build a database of books and movies that are really beautiful, inspiring, fun movies. All right? Join us with that. Another great great show uh, is Somebody Feed Phil. I don't know if anybody's watched that yet, it's on Netflix. That is another awesome show. It's on a totally different plane than uh, Ted, but it's, it's so fun. It's about a guy that travels the world, it's a documentary he travels the world, tasting amazing food, meeting beautiful people, and having fun with them. What's better than that? Oh my god, that's, that's like my life dream. So somebody feed Phil. Check that one out. Right, I'm going to share one more uh, video with you guys. And oh, let's see, what are we, what's this one? This is from? Ah, season one, episode nine, verses 1522 <laughs> in the book of Ted. <laughs> uh, this is my second favorite scene. And um, Rebecca, who's Ted's boss, has a coming to Jesus, so to speak. Um, and she needs to confess something to Ted.
1: All I want is. Talk to I have something I need to tell you.
2: Mm. deja vu.
1: <laughs> I'm a
2: fucking ah. bitch. Nope, that's new.
1: Ted, I lied to you. I hired you because I wanted this team to lose. I wanted you to fail. And I sabotaged you every chance I've had. It was me who hired that photographer to take the photo of you and Keeley. I set up the interview with Trent Crim, hoping that he would humiliate you. And I instigated the transfer of Jamie Tart, even though you'd asked me not to. This club is all that Rupert has ever cared about and I wanted to destroy it. To cause him as much pain and suffering as he has caused me. And I didn't care who I used Or who I hurt. All you good people just trying to make a difference. Ted, I'm so sorry. Hmm. If you want to quit or call the press, I'll completely understand. I forgive you. What? Why?
2: Divorce is hard. It doesn't matter if you're the one leaving or if you're the one who got left. It makes folks do crazy things. Hell, I'm coaching soccer, for heaven's sake. (laughs) In London. (laughs) I mean, that's nuts. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. But this job you gave me has changed my life. Gave me the distance I needed to see what was really going on. Yeah, but you and me, we're okay. Come on, just shake this hand. My arm's starting to get... (laughs) You know, I think that if you care about someone, and you got a little love in your heart, there ain't nothing you can't get through together. You know what I'm saying?
1: You're not just talking about us now, are you?
2: Maybe. Maybe not. Okay. I'm gonna go change for practice, uh, training, practice, whatever. Who cares? I seen you down here, boss. you liven up the place.
0: That's so true? If you care about someone, you got a little love in your heart, ain't nothing you can't get through together. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about unity and our support of each other, support of each other's growth, our expression, even if it's a little different, a little off like today <laughs> from our usual. But we got a lot of love in our hearts here. And I think that's what's kind of amazing about this. So, I think what the most important message I want to leave you guys with, and maybe it's already been clear, but is the power of the stories that we're feeding ourselves whether intentionally or unintentionally, through bad news, bad media, or the good things that we choose to focus on, like this, can make a tremendous difference in our hearts, in our lives, and it has for me. It has changed my life, changed my world, brought me to unity, allowed me to express it through unity. The stories have changed my life. And my hope is that someday you'll be soon walking down the street, and you'll encounter a tough situation, and you'll say to yourself, what would Ted Lasso do? (laughs) Thank you.